0: To the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Hey, good morning, church. Welcome to Church Online. This morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're a normal High Praises member, thanks for tuning in. And if you're from somewhere else, thank you so much for joining us today. We're absolutely honored that you're here. If you don't know me, my name is Evans Astar. I'm the student pastor here at High Praises, and I'm absolutely honored to be able to bring the Word of God to you today. Just want to say thanks to, to Dad, to Pastor Chris for allowing me to preach. and and, and to give the word of God. And I'm believing that the Lord is gonna encourage us and and help us and, and change some hearts today. But hey, a few years ago, when I was in college, I had been saving up my money for something that like, I really, really wanted. And look, don't judge me, okay? I really wanted it. It's whatever. I had been saving up my money for a Nintendo Switch. And this is just when the Nintendo Switches were coming out. I had done all my research on it. I knew that I wanted it. So me and Pastor Gabe decided that we were going to go to Walmart at midnight, the night that the Nintendo Switch out out so that we could get our game systems. So we head up to Walmart at midnight. So I'm already sacrificing a little bit because it's real late. I'm in college. I've got class the next day, but I figure it's worth it. And then I walk in to Walmart and like, look, we all know this, Walmart at midnight is something special. Okay. You know, you walk in and it's like, Almost completely empty, but then there's one cashier, which is completely normal for Walmart, right, and then there's like some strange dude in the corner that you're sure is a murderer, you know, trying not to make eye contact or anything, so we're walking in, and it's real creepy, and we, we look around, and other than the cashier and the murder guy, like there's nobody in the Walmart, so I'm thinking, great. Like, we've stayed up all this time, driven to Walmart, sketchy Walmart at midnight, and they're not selling the switches. But as we begin walking towards the back, towards the video game section, you know, I'm checking every aisle, you know, to, for something that could be a weapon if I need it, you know. Anyways, so I'm walking back there, and finally, we see this like decently long line in the game section. So we go and we hop in line, and they give us a number, you know, to wait in line, and I ended up getting a pretty high number. You know, like people waiting in line at Walmart at midnight for a game section, like, there are certain type of person. You know, there's like the 45-year-old parent who really loves their kid, and then there are the people who really love video games. You know what I'm talking about? Like Mario on the t-shirt, on the socks, they got a backpack or something. Like they are about this life. And then it's just me and Gabe. And so we're sitting there waiting in line. It's kind of awkward. We, you know, fill out a place, but we want our switches, but finally we hear the the workers talking and it's sounding like they're running out of switches. It sounded like they're running out of game systems, even though they had gone ahead and given us numbers like we weren't going to get it. And I was the highest number in the group. So I'm waiting in line, and I'm sitting here thinking, great This isn't going to be worth it. I've stayed up till midnight. I'm in Walmart. I'm in this line with this just unique group of people. I'm pretty sure I made eye contact with murder guy at the front of Walmart. You know, like I'm like thinking, okay, I sacrificed all of this stuff. I've gone through all of these things, and I'm not going to get my switch. But I decided to just wait it out anyway, so we're waiting, we're waiting, and we're waiting. And finally, I get close to the register, and it turns out that they got the count right the first time, then miscounted that they had one more Nintendo Switch just for me. I managed to get the last system and went home with my game system, which really, really worked out. But I was like freaking out at the beginning because I thought like, all right, great, I've wasted all of this time, done all of this stuff, been in Walmart, stupid late at night, and I'm not. it's not going to end well. It's not going to be a happy ending to the story. And I think for us right now as Christians and, and us just in this world, especially in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, we've just sort of been waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's been getting worse and worse and worse, and we're asking ourselves, when is this ever going to get better? Like, is this going to have a happy ending? Like, what what, what is going on? And really, we're not asking ourselves, we're asking God. God, these four weeks have felt like four years, and it just seems like the news keeps getting worse and worse. The economy is tanking, and, and people are getting sick and dying. Lord, why haven't you stepped in yet? Lord, why haven't you stopped this yet? Lord, why is this still going on? Will this ever get better? And we're asking why. But maybe for you, it's, it's not asking the Lord, why has this gone on for so long? Maybe you're asking, Lord, why has this happened at all? Lord, how could you let these people suffer? How could you let people die? How could you let the economy tank? How could you let me lose my job? How could you let me be in this situation? Why would you let anything bad happen at all? Or maybe you're, you're a Christian, you still trust in Jesus, but you can just sort of feel internally that your faith is shaking. It's, it's wavering. That you're wondering, Lord, can can I keep trusting you? I mean, I I do trust you, but at the same time, I've got a lot of doubts and a lot of worries. And and let's just be honest, you just need some encouragement. Church, can I remind us that in the midst of all of these questions of why God is letting this happen, why people are suffering, I'm needing some encouragement and some faith. Can I, re- can I help you? Don't forget last week so soon that, yes, Jesus suffered and he hung on a cross on Good Friday. But three days later, he rose up again in glory. And suffering may be for a moment, but God can turn suffering around and use it for his glory. And so we're going to be okay. And there's answers to our questions. And there's reason to trust Jesus today. And so that's why we're looking at First Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1 beginning in verse 3. Now here's what's going on. The Apostle Peter is is writing to a bunch of different churches. This this falls under the category of what's called a Catholic epistle. It means that he's writing to, to a bunch of different churches. It's got universal appeal. And so all of these different churches he calls the dispersion, that a bunch of different Christians have actually had to disperse all around the empire, all around the world, and they're in the midst of major persecution. And so they know what it's like to suffer. They know what it's like to face trial. They know what it's like to lose their land or lose their homes, to lose friends and family members, to persecution or even to death. I mean, they are suffering. And so the apostle is writing to them to try and encourage them and help them to stay faithful and to trust in Jesus no matter what happens. So, so listen to what he says. He says this beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. All right, we're going to stop right there. We'll come back to the rest later. So all of these Christians are suffering. They're going through persecution. They're going through trials. And so Peter decides to write this letter to encourage them and help them. And what is the first thing that he does? He begins with a doxology. He begins by worshiping and praising Jesus for what he's done. He begins by glorifying the Father and then he connects to to how it applies to our life in our present suffering and in our present world. So he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God the Father. Why? Because of his great mercy, we've been born again to a living hope. What does that mean? It means that we don't have a dead hope. It means that our hope isn't in governments, our hope isn't in philosophy, our hope isn't in really good teaching, but we have a living hope in the living person of Jesus Christ, that just as Jesus Christ rose up from the dead, we have new life too. We have new life now, a brand new spiritual life, but not only that, we have a living hope That in the future, just as Jesus Christ rose up from the grave, we are going to rise again too. And as long as he is out of the tomb, we have a living, breathing hope that we're going to follow in his footsteps. But what do we have a living hope to? When we rise again, he's going to give us an inheritance You see, just as Jesus is the Son of God, we've been made adopted sons and daughters of God. And what do children get? They get an inheritance from their father. And so we have a heavenly inheritance waiting on us. And what is this inheritance? It's an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away. See, this inheritance is imperishable. It does not die. And when we contrast that to the world, the world is is one that's full of death. Things die. Animals die. Plants die. Places and things and companies and countries and whatever else, they don't last forever. And we know this is true of ourselves. We die. Humans die. But we are going to to a resurrection and an inheritance that will last forever. We are going to receive life eternal. But not only that, we have an inheritance that's undefiled. This means that it's pure, it's holy, it's free from sin. Right now, our world is tainted by sin. Corona would have never happened had sin never entered the world. People are constantly taken advantage of. People are full of hate and and malice and evil. Sin has infected our world and defiled it. But we have a future and a hope that is free from sin, that there will be no more evil, no more hatred, no more anxiety, no more sinful people. We will be free from that. But then finally, it will never fade away. See, things on the earth, they aren't perfect and then they decrease in value and quality over time. Like anyone with an iPhone, like you know that. The first few months, it's working great. But give it a year and a half, give it two years, the battery's running out. You know, it's, it, it decreases in quality. But boy, when we are resurrected, we have an inheritance and a life and a glorified body that will never decrease in value, but will remain perfect and beautiful and glorious forever. See, our hope, Our hope is something that is the complete opposite of this world. And he says that we are being guarded by God's power through our faith. And although we have to suffer and we grieve at various trials right now, we have an inheritance waiting on us in heaven and a salvation that is yet to be revealed. Church, can I encourage you for a moment? Right now, times seem dark. Right now, times seem hopeless. Maybe you're asking the question, Lord, why have you let this go gone on so long? Are we ever going to have a happy ending to this story? It seems like this year keeps getting worse and worse and worse. You know, in January, we thought, hey, maybe we're going to be going to war with Iran. Kobe Bryant, his daughter, several people tragically died in a helicopter crash. Australia was on fire. California was on fire. And now this outbreak, like, Lord, when are you going to stop this? Is this ever going to get better? But the apostle Peter begins not by focusing on the here and now. Not by focusing on what is temporary. Not by focusing on what's happening on the earth, but pointing us towards our future. And he says, look, you may have to suffer some trials now. Things in this world may get bad now, but there is a resurrection that is our living hope called Jesus Christ. And if he rose again, we're rising too to something that's the complete opposite of this world. To an inheritance that will never die, never fade, never be tainted by sin that will be glorious and perfect forever. And so my encouragement to you, church, is take your eyes off of the here and now. Take your eyes off of the present struggling. Take your eyes off of the worry and the fear and fix your eyes on eternity. That our hope has never been in a government. Our hope has never been in an economy. Our hope has never been in good bodily health. Our hope has always been in a resurrected Lord and someday this world will be renewed and recreated and we'll never have to worry again. I know that's simple preaching. I know it's straightforward preaching, but it's what we need in this time. If Jesus has risen again, then we have a hope that it won't always be like this. You can make it. But what if you're asking the question, It's not, Lord, when will you make it stop? What if your question is, Lord, why did you allow it to happen in the first place? Maybe you found yourself angry and upset that God would allow so much suffering and so much pain throughout the entire world right now. Well, the Apostle Peter addresses that. Let's reread verse 6 again and, and see what he says after that. Here's what he says. In this eternal salvation, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Peter, he, he, he comes back now from the eternal to the temporal. And he says, our hope is in a future eternity. Though right now, if need be, we're going through some present struggles and some present trials. Now, did you hear that? Did you catch that? The apostle said, if need be. Now, why in the world would he say that? Why would he say that God would allow it? Why would he say, if need be? Why would he say, if it has to be that way? Man, a lot of us are asking right now, you know, is this God's judgment on the world? Is, is God trying to punish the world for their sins? Is, is he sending this as, as sort of a plague or something like that? Listen to me. I, I, I don't believe that God is sending this as a sort of punishment because he's just angry, because he wants to watch us suffer, and especially because he wants to watch his children suffer. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says. If, you, if it need be that you go through some trials, it's actually not a bad thing, but a good thing. That God is not punishing you, but he's actually disciplining you. Because what does he say? So that the genuineness of your faith would be tested. Not that you're going through this because God's angry. Not because you're going through this because God's sadistic. Not because you're going through this because God just wants to see you suffer. But God wants to test your faith. He actually likens it to gold. That when you put gold into fire and you burn all of the excess away, you get to the bottom of it. Is it real gold or is it false gold? Is it a real thing or is it something that needs to be thrown away? And after it goes through that fire, you get to the reality of it. And just like, uh, just like gold goes through fire, he's saying that God allows us to go through trials so that our faith would be put through the fire, not to ruin our faith, but so that our faith may be found genuine, so that when the day Jesus comes back, we will be praising and glorifying him and worshiping him forever. But the sad reality is that as we go through the fire, some people, some Christians will be found to have a genuine, real, authentic faith. But other Christians will be found to have a counterfeit faith. Some people will be found to have a faith that's only surface level. A faith that looks good on the outside, but after it's gone through the fire, there isn't a foundation of Jesus Christ. In fact, there's really nothing left. I I wish y'all were in the room because I love giving hand raises. Wherever you are in your living room, just raise your hand, even though I can't see you. If you were awake during that storm that we had a few nights ago. I know I was. Like that thing was crazy. Like I went to bed probably at like 1 a.m. in the morning I slept on and off, always waking up till about 3.30. And then Elizabeth woke me up, and she's like, Hey, Evan, I think we need to get up, and I think we need to let our dog Theo in, right? Because we didn't want him looking like Toto, you know, like spinning around up in the air, see ya. You know, so we went, sorry, we went and we got Theo indoors, and and at that point we were awake, and we were turning on the news, and we were kind of bracing for the storm. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, here it is. This is the test of just how dirty, my house is and how durable all of the trees on my property are. When this storm comes, are the trees going to blow over and ruin my whole house? Are the shingles going to fly off and the shutters and everything else? Or is this thing going to hold up? So finally, you know, it gets crazy, it gets wild, there's crazy amount of wind, there's rain pouring down. At one point I went outside and just stood there to just feel how eerie and how creepy and how crazy it is. I mean, it gave it its best shot. And so finally, at about 4, 4.30 a.m., it was just like, whew, And everything calmed down, everything slowed down, there wasn't really any more rain or wind, and my house held up. Like no shingles lost, nothing messed up, even a little bit. I mean, there were like a few tiny sticks in my yard, but the trees stood up. I mean, it was awesome. It stood the test. But right as everything settled down and we thought that we had made it through and we are now going to go back to sleep and have a peaceful, restful night, our power went out. And my house made it through, but the poor power line a couple streets down did not. And when I say the power went out, I don't mean that the power went out for like 30 minutes or a couple of hours. Our power went out for a day and a half. Like it really went out. Like, it took that power line out so bad that it was almost hanging in the road. Like, we couldn't even drive down a usual road we drive down. So then me and Elizabeth had to spend a a great, like, day and a half with my parents, which was wonderful because I love air conditioning and electricity and everything else there. And then finally they got it back on. But, you know, when the storm came, the genuineness of the structure of my house stayed up. My trees, they stayed up. But man, that power line did not make it. But do you know what happened? Is the power line got tested and it fell down. But then Duke power came and they brought it back up and they attended to it and they fixed it. And now it's working and strong and prepared for the next time. See, the reason Jesus allows us to go through storms is to test the genuineness of our Faith. And so for for some of the genuine Christians, they will go through the storm and go through the trial and go through the trouble and come out on the other side trusting in Jesus stronger than ever. But for some, the wind and the rain and the storm will blow their faith down. And they will realize it is not a faith worth trusting at all. I've heard this said before, I didn't come up with it, but I think it's a good statement that a faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. But I'd like to add that a faith that fails is a faith that needs fixing. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. Just take a moment, even if you need to close your eyes, and do a faith examination. Through the midst of all of this craziness, Through the midst of all of the fear and all of the worry and all of the panic, how has your faith been? And listen to me, listen to me, please let me clarify. Here's what I don't mean. I don't mean that at any point during this pandemic, if you felt fear or worry or anxiety, then you have no faith. You're not a real Christian and Jesus doesn't love you. No, 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 no. Even the apostle Peter says that we rejoice in future salvation, but we grieve in the present trouble. It is human. It is human to grieve. It is human to temporarily worry. It is human to feel the weight of the situation that's before us. I mean, there's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations in which they lament what has happened to us. I'm not saying that you have to be some stereotype that, you know, your house is burning behind you in the background. Well, praise God, hallelujah, right? That's called a robot. Here's what I mean. You, you are the, the only one that truly knows on the inside. But as some serious, grievous things have happened, man, people are getting sick. Man, maybe you're in an at-risk category. Maybe you're worried about your parents. Maybe you've got lots of fear and anxiety. Maybe the plant that you work at said, hey, you can't come back for two weeks. Maybe you were laid off from your job and you don't have steady income like you did. Maybe you're having to apply for unemployment. Maybe you've just been stuck in the house with kids for like 30 days straight now and you're about to rip your hair out. Whatever it is, as God has put you through the fire, deep in your heart, what has been your foundation? Jesus or something that's been burned up? That when your bank account took a hit, did you grieve and mourn and worry and fret? And then after it was done, say, Lord Jesus, I'm standing on you. I'm standing on your promises. You're going to provide. Or are you still in mourning, still in fear, completely and totally crushed? Because Jesus isn't your God. Your bank account was. And listen, I don't mean that harshly. I mean for you to have an honest examination Not that you just, you know, didn't worry or something, but you know what I mean. As corona took away control over your kids, over your life, over your schedule, over everything you did, when you lost control, is Jesus your Lord and is he the one in control? Or are you still lamenting because you can't decide every aspect of your life? Was comfort your God? And now the fact that life is, has been made uneasy, are you still in turmoil? Or have you picked yourself up? No, rather has, have you allowed God to pick you up and give you peace and comfort that only he can bring? I mean, if you're not watching this by live stream right now, if you're watching this as a replay, I want to encourage you, press pause right now on the computer and do a faith assessment. What is your foundation? As God has brought you through the fire, was Jesus your foundation or something else? But if you found that after all of this, you didn't trust in Jesus like you thought you did. You didn't trust in Jesus like you wanted other people to think you did, though you knew the truth. I want to encourage you to stop and to fix it. And I don't mean fix it alone, I mean by the grace of God, allow him to infuse faith and hope and love in your heart. I want to encourage you, call a pastor, call one of us, call your small group leader or an elder. Find somebody that knows you better than you know you and say, look, this has been my life. I haven't had real faith, but I want to trust in Jesus. And allow him to build you up to repair your faith so that when the next storm comes, you stay standing up, standing tall, full of faith, trusting in who Jesus is. Jesus has sometimes allowed these storms not to punish you or to hurt you, but to test you, to build you up, and to make you better like a purifying fire. But finally, but if you're the Christian that you've you've fallen in the category that, you know, you've taken the faith test and you haven't failed by any means. Maybe you've just made a C, C plus, you know, that you still trust in Jesus. You've still been praying. Your hope has been in him. Yet there's something on the inside of you that's just kind of shaky. There's something on the inside of you that you just know you need some encouragement That the devil is tempting you and trying to draw you away from faith and draw you away from trust. and, And you know that you want to stand firm on the word of God. You want to stand firm in faith, but you just need some encouragement. Well, the apostle Peter actually gives us that encouragement. What he does is he tells the people, this is the faith you've always had. This is the faith I'm confident you have right now, and this is what faith really is. Listen to what the apostle says right here, starting in verse 8. Whom having not seen, talking about Jesus, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Did you catch that? The Apostle Peter is saying, look, look, God is allowing you to go through this to test your faith, but I'm confident that you have faith, that you've always had this faith, that you're remaining in this faith, and that you can can keep this faith. And what does this faith look like? Though you've never seen Jesus before, you've loved him with a real love. Not a mediocre love, not a surface level love, not a made up love. Like you have never laid eyes on Jesus, but you love him with a deep intimate love like someone standing right in front of you. He says that right now you don't presently see Jesus, but you worship him with such genuine praise that it's inexpressible. In fact, your worship is so real that he describes it as filled with glory. Peter's telling them what you see with your eyes is Christian persecution, what you see with your eyes are struggles. What you see with your eyes is your land being taken away. What you see with your eyes are people dying that you love for the sake of the faith. What you see with your eyes is sin and brokenness and destruction. And yet, who you don't see, Jesus Christ, is the one that you've got all your faith in, all your worship in, all of your love in, because you know that he is real. Peter is saying that your faith has never been about what you can see. It's always been been about Jesus. I remember, I can't believe I'm telling you all this story. It's taken me literally probably like a year, more than a year to work up the courage and and, and to, you know, not be embarrassed to tell this story. But, you know, a, a little bit over a year ago before Elizabeth and I moved in our house, we were living in an apartment. And this was around Christmas time. And so, excuse me, so at Christmas, I had actually received Um, shoe spray because my feet, I mean, oh, Lord, pray for my feet, please. Anyways, I received some shoe spray because I need it. And so anyways, I had never seen something like this. So apparently how you do it is you put the whole contraption in the shoe and you push it towards one edge of the shoe and then it sprays everything like within the shoe. While I'm standing there holding it and looking at it and assessing it, And I didn't really exactly know how the shoe spray worked. And so while looking directly at what I now know is the sprayer, my finger, you know, accidentally (laughs) pressed the button and shot shoe spray directly into my eyes. And at that point, I'm freaking out. So imagine me just like, what is this? Boom! And then I go into full-on freak-out mode. Like, I feel like, oh my gosh, I can't see anything. What is going on right now? And so finally, I had to get Elizabeth to like speak to me and take my hand and guide me over to the sink so I could start just like splashing water in my eye. Like, I couldn't see anything. I just had to trust that she wasn't going to, you know, run me into a wall or something and get me to the sink. So I'm sitting here doing this, and finally when I can see a little bit, I look at the back of the camp, and I call whatever the hotline is, that's like, you know, you just, like, you dummy, you just sprayed yourself in the eyes, are you gonna die, you know, that, whatever that number is, so I called it, and I'm talking to the lady, and though I can't see her, I've just got to trust her word for it, and I'm like, hey, I just sprayed myself in the eyes with some shoe spray, like, am I gonna be blind, and she's like, like, no, like, you're not gonna be blind, like, you're literally totally fine, there's nothing wrong with you, like, please calm down, and I'm like, are you sure? Are you positive? She's like, can you see right now? I was like, yeah. She's like, you're like, please calm. Like, you're going to be all right. And so I finally hang up with her and I'm feeling better. But Elizabeth, literally the entire time, is not comforting me, is not helping me, is laughing at me because I sprayed myself in the face with shoe spray. And she also thought it was funny that I called the poison control hotline because I didn't want to go blind. Okay, whatever. I was worried. Like as soon as I sprayed myself with that, I was like, great, here it is. I'll never see again. It's been a great, you know, 21 years of seeing. No more though. You know, like I was freaking out. And then she's not making it any better. man, while I couldn't see. I had to trust that she was at least going to grab me by the hand, speak to me, and guide me to the sink. And though I couldn't see her, I still trusted her, and she got me to where I needed to be. And as I'm on the phone with Poison Control Woman, I can't see her face. I don't know who she is. All I can do is hear her, but I can trust that she knows what she's talking about, that she's speaking to me, and she's gonna help me and comfort me in these times. Can I encourage you? That even though I couldn't see, I could tell that Elizabeth and the woman on the phone were guiding me. And in the same way, if you've been a Christian for X amount of years, then you have not ever seen Jesus. But think back to the time where you know that he was guiding you and speaking to you and comforting you and helping you. And although you couldn't see him before you, you knew that he was real because of the things that he was doing in your life. Like think back to the times that you've walked in to this sanctuary and looked up on the stage and all you saw was the worship team, but you praise God with an inexpressible joy, hands lifted up, tears rolling down your face, not because you could see Jesus, but you just know that he's real and he's been working your life. That's what faith is. It's not based on what I can see. It's not based on the present circumstance. It's based on what Jesus has done in the past and what he's doing In the present I don't have to see him to know that he's real and so my faith it's never been based on a disease it's never been based on a sickness it's never been based on the economy it's never been based on my bank account my faith has never been based on a situation it's always been based on a resurrection and the last time I checked Jesus ain't in there he's risen again and no matter what this world throws in me when it's all said and done I'm rising with Him too. Come on, somebody clap in your home. That is good. Man, Jesus has risen from the grave, and my whole time as a Christian has never been based on what I can see, it's never even been based on the good times. I don't serve Jesus because things are going good. I don't serve Jesus because my health is good. I don't serve Jesus because I'm in control. I don't serve Jesus because the bank account is full. I serve Jesus because I believe he's the son of God who died and rose again and is coming back for me. And whatever happens on this earth is inconsequential because he has still died and risen again. So let the world go crazy. Let it be in turmoil. My God is still alive and ruling and reigning and I'm going to spend eternity with him. So you can have faith. Your faith's never been built on all of this. It's always been built on Jesus. You can have faith because as he's been present in the past, he's present right now. You can have faith just as he's helped you and comforted you in the past. He'll do it again and you can have faith. He's risen from the grave and he's coming back for you again. You can trust and believe in him. So church, I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. Man, I know it seems like this is going on for a long time. I know it seems like like it's never going to end. But whatever happens on this earth doesn't matter. Jesus has already won the victory 2,000 years ago. Don't be so quick to forget what we celebrated last Sunday. Man, if you're wondering why has God let this happen at all, it's not because he hates you or he wants to punish you. Because he loves you. That's why he did it. He wants to test your faith, guide you, and build you up so you spend eternity with him. And church, please remember our faith has never been based on a circumstance or a situation, but a a resurrection. And as long as he's risen again, he is still Lord. He has the victory. It doesn't matter what happens on this earth because Jesus has won and we can continue to stand on faith in him no matter what. So would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for the encouragement of your word. I thank you, Lord, for the life that it speaks. God, would you build us up in faith today? God, you know your children are worried. God, you know that we're grieving God, you know that we're anxious. God, you know that we need help. Would you just fill our hearts today full of faith? Lord, help us to not get so focused on the temporary that we forget your eternal victory. God, would you help us to see the good that you're working even in the midst of the bad? And God, would you help us to recognize our faith has never been about what's in front of us, but always in you. Build us up. Fix our faith. Lord, we trust in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are nine o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.